Hello, everybody. Uh, this is the Christian Bible Study Ministry Podcast, and uh, welcome again. And uh, I pray that everybody who listens to this is going is going to be blessed uh, in some kind of way. And uh, it's like a it's like a herd in church this morning. Uh, you know, you might hear you might hear the message, and uh, uh, you might think that uh, it's not touching you in any kind of way but if the spirit is working then you are being touched in some kind of way whether or not you know it and i think given the topic of today's message i do i do pray that you are being touched in some kind of way by this message the subject of today's program is grief and the Bible, as we know, has an awful lot to say about grief. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and contrite in spirit. This is one of the best psalms that uh, the Lord had put in his word. It's something that every Christian needs to remember. You know, we know that grief is the valley. We're not on top, so... We may feel that God is not near. When we are down in the valley, we're feeling just absolutely low. It can feel like the Lord has left us or abandoned us due to whatever has happened in our lives. But the word says otherwise. He is near to the brokenhearted and contrite in spirit. So much grief, you know, uh, there's just been so much grief going on around me personally lately. You know, just in my own family in the past few months, uh, you know, with people dying from cancer, I've had, uh, uh, in particular, one whole, one branch of my family, I've lost two people to cancer uh, in the past few months, and their world is just turned upside down. It's just awful stuff. And uh, I have to pray daily that the Lord would work on them. And, you know, I guess by extension, uh, the rest of us as we try to help them deal with it. And it's just, again, awful stuff. Uh, We read in the shortest verse in the Bible that Jesus wept. This is after he had... uh, come to the tomb of Lazarus, you know, three or four days, I believe it was four days after Lazarus had died. So Lazarus was definitely dead after four days. Uh, Excuse me. It says Jesus wept. The Lord knows the depths of our sorrow. You know, Jesus knew it even in his human form. You know, he had the utmost compassion for the suffering. He felt the loss himself. Jesus wept. You know, he knew the pain of loss people uh, were feeling over Lazarus. And he knows ours. You know, if you've lost somebody, uh, your husband, wife, child, or whoever, he knows the pain that you, that, you, that you are experiencing. He wept. And on the day of his death, on the day that Jesus was crucified... He knew a certain separation from God 
in which he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, some translations will say it, uh, Eli, uh, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. Um, so the Lord had turned away uh, fellowship from Christ because the sins of the whole entire human race were placed upon him. And so the Lord withdrew fellowship from that part of himself. And Jesus felt like the Lord had forsaken him. Such was the depth of his despair. But yet he, of course, knew at the same time that he had not been forsaken. But it, of course, felt like he had been forsaken. You know, I will say here once again that my prayers are with those who have lost folks recently. You know, I've lost an uncle, um, you know, when other people have lost their fathers and uh, grandparents and other things. And honestly, it just seems to be piled up around me. And I know that uh, there's bound to be a lot of y'all out there who feel the same way. Stuff just keeps happening. You know, uh, people are dying. People are getting sick. Bad, just bad stuff is happening. And it seems like everything is pushing in around you. It's like David said in one of the Psalms, you know, it's like the bulls of Bashan have encompassed me round about. And uh, we will see by taking a look at King David that he was a man who dealt with a lot of grief. And he is an example of grief that honestly is brought upon himself by the things that he did. And uh, the most prominent example, or actually the origin of most of his grief, was because of his sin with Bathsheba. You know, we all know that he got his uh, mistress pregnant, and then in order to hide his adultery, he had Uriah killed. And David was the most power. You know, David was the most powerful man in Israel. He could have had anything he wanted. He could have, you know, I honestly can't remember right up at, uh, at this moment if David was married or not. I don't think he was. But he could have had anything he wanted. He could have had any woman in the whole entire kingdom of Israel. But he saw another man's wife while she was bathing and he... Uh, he wanted her, he took her, and he slept with her, got her pregnant. And he had her husband murdered. He knew he was wrong. And the Psalms tell of his grief over his sin. We, we read this in many places in the Psalms. David knew and grieved over his sin. And... You know, maybe we can say his grief manifested itself even more when he dealt with the punishment that God meted out, yet he was forgiven. The punishments that David dealt with last, lasted him for a great deal of the rest of his life. You know, uh, the baby that was conceived when uh, he slept with Bathsheba, 
died. David uh, didn't eat anything. He pretty much shut himself off from the rest of the world around him. And he was hoping that maybe the war would change his mind about the death of his child. And he knew without a doubt that the child's death was a result of David's sin. And his grief was very profound. And he lost another son, Absalom, later. And we will turn to, excuse me for just a moment here. Uh, okay. Uh, we will turn to Second Samuel chapter 13. And we're going to start from verse 23. A little background on what we're about to read here. Uh, David's, uh, excuse me, David's children, David had several children, Amnon and Tamar were, uh, I believe, half-brothers or half-sisters to Absalom. And Amnon had raped Tamar, and so out of revenge, Absalom wanted to kill Amnon. And so this is one other thing that David was going to have to deal with. And we will see here kind of how that played out. Starting in verse 23. Two years later, when Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Baal Hazor near Ephraim, Absalom invited all the king's sons to come to a feast. So here we are. Absalom kept this desire for two years. He wanted revenge even two years after the attack on his sister. Verse 24, he went to the king and said, my sheep shearers are now at work. Would the king and his servants please come to celebrate the occasion with me? The king replied, no, my son, if we all came, we would be too much of a burden on you. Absalom pressed him, but the king would not come, and though he gave Absalom his blessing, well then, Absalom said, you, if you can't come, how about sending my brother Amnon to us? Why Amnon, the king asked. But Absalom kept on pressing until the king finally agreed to let all his sons attend, uh, including Amnon. So Absalom prepared a feast fit for a king. Absalom told his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk, then at my signal, kill him. Don't be afraid. I'm the one who has given the command. Take courage and do it. So at Absalom's signal, they murdered Amnon. Then the other sons of the king jumped on their mules and fled. So we see that Absalom has kind of done the same thing that his own father did. Conspiracy to commit murder. Absalom was wanting to have someone murdered in revenge. Whereas David, his father, was, uh, you know, he had someone killed to cover up a crime that he committed. And so Amnon was assassinated at Absalom's command. As they were on the way back to Jerusalem, this report reached David. Absalom has killed all the king's sons. Not one is left alive. The king got up, tore his robe, and threw himself on the ground. His advisors also tore their clothes in horror and sorrow. 
But just then, Jonadab, the son of David's brother, Shimeah, arrived and said, No, don't believe that all the king's sons have been killed. It was only Amnon. Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped his sister Tamar. No, my lord the king, your sons aren't all dead. It was only Amnon. Meanwhile, Absalom escaped. So Absalom has fled. And this is where David can see that his son Absalom is effectively gone away from him. Ab meanwhile, Absalom escaped. Then the watchman on the Jerusalem wall saw a great crowd coming down the hill on the road from the west. He ran to tell the king, I see a crowd of people coming from the <coughs> Hornam Road along the side of the hill. Verse 35. Look, Jonadab told the king, There they are now. The king's sons are coming, just as I said. They soon arrived, weeping and sobbing, and the king and all his servants wept bitterly with them. And David mourned many days for his son Amnon. Absalom fled to his grandfather Talmai, son of Amahud, the king of Geshur. He stayed there in Geshur for three years. And King David, now reconciled to Amnon's death, longed to be reunited with his son Absalom. So Absalom left, went to another kingdom, and David, for three years, was wanting to be reconciled with his son. And uh, we're not going to read more about Absalom right now, but uh, Absalom went on to start a rebellion against his father. And so that added to David's grief. And essentially he died never having been, you know, Absalom died never having been reunited with his father. So, and the Lord knew all this was going to happen when he told, he told David these things were going to happen. But yet, throughout all this, the Lord was still with David because David had repented and turned from his sins. But yet David was still having to endure the circumstances, you know, the punishments. That's not to say that God is punishing, is, you know, that's, I don't, you know, that's not necessarily to say that God is punishing you for things, you know, but uh, if you have, if you're not responsible for uh, what's, you know, for what happened, you know, you, you may suffer punishment for it, but rest assured that the Lord is with you, you know, his anger only lasts a while and you know he does he is not going to bring up your past against you if your past is being brought up then that's not of god and remember as we said at the beginning of this pod of this program he is near to the brokenhearted and contrite in spirit and so grief is perhaps one of the worst emotions that we can all experience and i've been there and down in the valley more times than I care to remember myself, you know. And we're going to end this today with uh, just a prayer. You know, Lord, Father, I pray that anybody who's listening to this right now, that I pray that your hands would touch them, you know, and reassure them that you are dealing with them in, the, in their grief, in their sorrow, and Lord, you might not totally remove it, but you will certainly be there.
And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here who's listening to this who is not a child of yours, anybody who is not saved, then I pray that your spirit would work on them in some kind of way, or maybe even a seed would be planted. You know, they might, uh, they might have it happen to where, you know, a few days from now or a week or a month from now, your spirit would, um, your spirit would work on them. The seed that was planted might grow. So Lord, I pray that, uh, anybody who is listening to this who is not saved I pray that you would work on them so that they may come to know you and the forgiveness that you offer and not only the forgiveness but also the love that you offer us and Lord it's in Christ's name I pray this Amen